Good morning, church, <clears throat> and Merry Christmas again. So today I want to start out a little bit differently than what we usually do. Um, I have a verse that I want us uh, just all to read together. This verse is from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. So let's read this together. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. These are the verses that God gave to me for this Christmas message. Now, they don't seem like Christmas verses. Anything that has to do with Christmas and flames is not good. The picture of Christmas dinner burning in the oven may pop into your mind. Or maybe the Christmas tree going up in flames just instantly. Whoosh. We've seen movies like that. I remember a few years back, several maybe, when we were at the... Uh, candlelight service here and I was preaching and my father was holding my youngest son who had long hair and he was holding the candle and as my son slowly nodded off to sleep his hair caught on fire from the candle <laughs> of course uh, his hair got put out and he's here today with plenty of hair but Christmas and flames don't usually go together Gifts, however, are commonplace on Christmas Day. And this verse tells us about gifts. There are verses in Scripture that we should keep in mind, that we should memorize, <clears throat> so that they are in the back of our minds for whenever we need them. And this is one of them. In this Scripture, Paul is reminding Timothy to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God has given him. Now, there are several levels of gifts that we get from God. Now, the first gift, perhaps, uh, that we can recognize is physical life. The second one is spiritual life, which would be the ability to choose good or evil, to make spiritual decisions. And the third is the gift of eternal life. That would be for those of us who put our faith in Christ Jesus. Now on top of those gifts, God gives us all gifts that we can use to pursue His kingdom with. Here's a few examples of the spiritual gifts that the Bible tells us about on top of the gift of life. Hospitality is one of them. Uh, discernment, the gift of discernment is one of them. Leadership, uh, serving, administration, teaching. And there's a lot more gifts. You can read about them in the book of 1 Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians. You know, my wife claims that her spiritual gift is packing a trailer. So when we go camping or when we need to move things from point A to point B, she wants to be in charge of packing the trailer because she is actually really good at it. 
she liked when she was a kid, her favorite video game was Tetris. She would make sure that they all fit in there just right. It's the only video game she'll play. She's got that gift. And so when we would get to the campground or wherever we were going with the trailer, you needed a forklift to unload it. And when it came out, it was this woven together tight piece of stuff that looked just like it did in the trailer. And you had to take it apart like Legos. She's good at it. I don't know how you would use that for the kingdom of God, but I'm sure there's a way. Now, we often say that the gifts under the tree on Christmas morning are given in Christmas spirit. The purpose of those gifts are to make someone happy. That's why we don't give lumps of coal to people for Christmas. A lump of coal doesn't make anyone happy. It would be useless to the average person. That would be not in the Christmas spirit. So, God gives us the gift of physical life. The first one we discussed. And if you're here with me today, and if you're uh, listening to me, then obviously you've opened that gift. You have physical life. The second gift was spiritual life. This is when you recognize that there is something more than just what you can see. And if you've considered God or angels, if you realize that there's a struggle between good and evil and that you're stuck in the middle of it, then you've opened this gift of spiritual life. Most people have. And then the gift of eternal life. This is Jesus. This is the beginning of what we celebrate on Christmas Day. This gift, the gift of eternal life, however, is often left unopened. We all know people who haven't accepted Jesus as their Savior. They have not put their faith in the one and true Messiah. Which is why God gives us spiritual gifts like compassion or evangelism, or teaching, so that we can encourage others to open the gift of eternal life. I wonder, what is your spiritual gift? Is it encouragement? Maybe it's humor. Maybe you like to make people laugh. Maybe it's mercy. You're really good at loving someone, at forgiving them, spending time with them. Whatever it is, it's not coal. It is not useless. It has been given to you in the spirit of, not of Christmas, because that would just make people happy, but has been given to you in the spirit of something much more important. Spirit of power love, and self-discipline. So whatever your spiritual gift is, use it with power, in love, and with self-discipline. Now, here's an example of how not to use your spiritual gifts. Don't use it in fear 
and timidity. Let me tell you about someone who was controlled by fear. His name is King Herod. King Herod was scared to death, and not scared to his own death, by the way, but scared so that he caused the death of others. He was scared to death that someone was going to take over his throne, that someone was going to become king in his place. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. You see that word, deeply disturbed? That could also mean scared to death. King Herod was scared to death, and everyone else in Jerusalem was as well. Now, they're scared to death of two different things. King Herod was scared to death that somebody was going to take over his throne, and everyone else was most likely scared to death that when King Herod realized that someone was coming to take his place, he would just do away with lots and lots of people. He was a foolish man, a reckless man, who lost his head a lot. Everyone was probably scared of that. Verse 4, he called a meeting of leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them that the time that the star first appeared. And then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go and worship him too. King Herod is scared to death. He's so scared, he doesn't even go and look for Jesus himself. He tells the wise men, go and come back and report to me. And he lied. He said, so I can worship him also. This is a definite indication that Herod does not have the spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. He is following in the footsteps of the devil who started the whole lying process in the first place when he lied to Adam and Eve in the garden. Herod lived in a spirit of fear, not a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline, which is a bummer because I think he probably had some really neat gifts. Under King Herod's reign, we see really amazing things built, like the Temple Mound. The Temple Mound is this huge platform on which the temple was one time uh, set upon, and this mound is built with stone blocks that are made from one piece that are the same size as the trailer house that I used to live in. This is the kind of structure that Herod built. He built uh, really cool fortresses that his military could 
maintain a stronghold from. He built amphitheaters. He uh, built Caesarea Philippi, which is a town that is right beside the ocean. And to make this town possible, he built a concrete uh, barrier out into the ocean so that when the waves came in, they didn't destroy the town. To accomplish that feat, he had to guide his men to come up with a concrete that would cure underwater. Use that same concrete today. This guy, Herod, had some pretty cool gifts. But he was controlled by fear. My brothers and sisters, don't be like Herod. Now, how about an example of someone who embraced the spirit of power and love and self-discipline? Well, let's continue with verse 9. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. The wise men, the magi, the kings. Three different words that are used for these fellows. These guys, the wise men, they achieve hero status, in my opinion, for three reasons. Number one, they come from a long ways away just to honor Jesus. Now, my studies reveal that these guys came from a thousand miles away. That's from here to a superior lake. That's a long ways away. And that was only one way. There was the return trip to go. You know, the return trip is always the worst for me. When we go on a long trip, it's, it's not so bad to go to drive a thousand miles because it's new and exciting territory. But that whole time, even when I'm traveling, going there, I'm thinking about all the, the long uh, distance that we're going to have to go back and retrace and go back the same way, which, by the way, the wise men did not go back the same way. We'll read about that more in a little bit. But uh, a thousand miles one way, can you imagine that? And it was in the desert. Maybe three months in the desert on camels or, or something. Most kings thought they had better things to do back home than to go all this way to honor Jesus. But not these guys. They had faith in what they would find under that star. You know, I wonder how dangerous it would have been to travel a thousand miles back then through the wilderness, across foreign borders. And hey, these guys were carrying some really valuable things, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so uh, here they are traveling through the desert in the wilderness, out and open in foreign lands. Uh, I don't know what it would have looked like. Maybe they had wagons. Maybe they had bodyguards. But they had to draw attention from other people like Maybe desert pirates, bad guys, and those guys, the bandits, would have been able to see, hey, those guys have something of value 
with them. And even if they had bodyguards, it doesn't take that many bad guys to pick off someone in the middle of the desert. They had to have had some courage. I think the wise men were putting themselves at a great risk for traveling all the way to see Jesus. But somehow they must have known that God had not given them a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Speaking of self-discipline, getting up every morning and heading west must have taken an extreme amount of it. Hey, let me ask you a question. How far would you go to find Jesus? Would you go a thousand miles out of your way? Would you set aside some worldly desires to follow him? The wise men saw the star that came up from Jacob, the scepter that emerged from Israel, and they followed it right to Jesus. And here's another thing I think that uh, is really cool about the wise men. They actually left their gifts. Now you say, what's so neat about that? That that was the uh, whole reason they came, isn't it? Uh, Well, yes. But uh, first of all, excitement is a big distraction. If your mind works like my mind, which I hope for your sake it doesn't, but if it does, then uh, there's been plenty of times in your past when you've got something that you wanted to take to somebody and you drove all the way there and then were so excited to see them or to talk to them about something that you didn't remember the thing that you were supposed to leave there until the drive home. The excitement will distract you from fulfilling the mission that God is sending you on. It's great to be excited about life, but don't forget to honor Jesus. The wise men did not forget to leave their gifts there with the Messiah. And secondly, they could have uh, experienced letdown. You know, they got there and they, they, uh, they came all that way to find a baby in the care of some poor and humble folks named Joseph and Mary. These wise men, the Magi, they know what it is to be royalty. They know that kings usually come from other kings. So this has got to be somewhat of a shock to them. You mean we come all the way to find a king in a feed trough? Let's take our gifts and go back home. Actually, Jesus had probably outgrown the feed trough by the time the wise men got there. But the point is that there seems to be no hesitation. The fact that Jesus was born into a humble situation wasn't an issue for the wise men. The star stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They had followed that star 
for a thousand miles. And they did not question God when it stopped right over Mary and Joseph's place. They were filled with joy. And they bowed to worship Jesus. And they gave Him their gifts. You know, Jesus teaches us how hard it is for a rich man to put their faith in Him. Remember the old camel through the eye of a needle illustration? It doesn't work very well. But these magi were wise. They didn't let physical things get in the way of recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. I think they recognized that God had blessed them with material wealth, and so they were joyful to give it back to Him. Now consider this. How many of us have been blessed with gifts but are not offering them back to God. Here's what I mean. I think Herod was given the gift of building things. Unfortunately, he used those gifts to build his own worldly kingdom and not God's kingdom. Maybe some of us are using our gifts for our own worldly gain, not for God's kingdom. Maybe you've been given the gift of influence, but you are not influencing others in the name of Jesus. Instead, you are influencing others to gain self-gratification. The wise men, they followed through with their plan to worship Jesus and to honor Him with gifts. Jesus says in John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift, a gift of peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Even though Jesus said this probably 30 years after the wise men visited, I'll bet they understood the feeling. A gift of peace of mind and heart. Not fear. Now, don't be afraid to use the gift that God gave you for His kingdom. And use it with power and love and self-discipline. Now here's the third reason that I think that the wise men are so cool and so courageous. is because they returned the other way. Obviously by this time these fellows were in the habit of trusting God. So when He appeared to them in a dream and told them, not to go back to King Herod, they obeyed, which I think took courage. Herod had given them an order. He said, go to Bethlehem, search, for, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me. These guys, these wise men, were probably in town long enough to hear stories about Herod, about how mean and ruthless he was. Bethlehem, by the way, is only about six miles away from Jerusalem. And when the wise men didn't come back to Jerusalem to tell Herod where the newborn king was, well, Herod could have just sent out soldiers on fast horses to get them. And maybe he did. But the wise men did not have the spirit of fear. They joyfully went the long way home. They did not fear Herod. 
Let me ask you another question. Is your faith strong enough that if God tells you to do something opposite of what others are telling you, will you listen to God and do what He says? Even if it means going the long and potentially dangerous way home? This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline so that we can go the long and dangerous way home if that's what God is telling you to do. Hey, we all know folks whose destination is not currently heaven. Let's read the rest of this verse. Verse 8. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer for me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. And he did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan before the beginning of time. To show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now, by the way, here's the Christmas story in 2 Timothy. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. And here is the Easter story in 2 Timothy. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Immorality. God has made it plain to us by showing us the good news of the incarnation, of the birth of Jesus and of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Sometimes I feel like there is so much stuff under the tree that it makes us hard to keep our sight on the plain truth of Jesus. Every box unwrapped makes the eye of the needle a little smaller. Hey, don't miss all the other gifts. And don't forget to open them and to use them. Open the gift of eternal life if you haven't already. It's as plain and as simple as asking Jesus to be your Savior. And then tell someone about it. If you've already opened that one, great. Live in the light of that gift every day. And think of the people who have not opened their gift of eternal life yet. Use those other gifts that God has given you on them. Flames and Christmas may not go together, but God's Word says to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you, a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to us as a baby, as a child. Thank you for growing and living a perfect life. And Lord, thank you for dying so that we could be forgiven of our sin. Thank you for 
raising back up out of that death so that we could live again with you in heaven. Lord, we praise you for the forgiveness of our sins. We praise you for a place that we could gather here in your power and in your love and your self-discipline. Lead us, Jesus. We thank you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.